this week's episode of FinTech Insider News. We're coming to you live from our Airbnb flat in the Sunset neighborhood of San Francisco. Are we in the Sunset neighborhood of San Francisco? San Francisco people? Inner Sunset. Jesus, San Francisco people are weird. We're in the Inner Sunset neighborhood of San Francisco. I have no clue what that means. I'm Sam Mall. I'm joined by my 11FS work sons, Ollie Judge and Michael Bailey. We've recorded a State of the Union show last night. We prepped for our San Francisco After Dark show, which will be tomorrow. Both of those are garbage. Tell us about what's happening tonight. <laughs> tonight, yeah, the tonight show's good. However, we have bought groceries at Safeway like five freaking times. We've walked up and down that hill. Ollie's cooked two breakfasts, two dinners. He's drank a lot of beers in between that. We watched Liverpool bounce Man City out of Champions League today. I got a kick-ass haircut from two Irish ladies that live down the street. And we're fine. It takes two people to cut your hair. <laughs> well, they were from Ireland and we chatted, so I thought it was really cool. All right. Anyways, enough about all that crap because John has already been giving me a hard time. So let's talk about the guests we have sitting around the table. So joining us today, Dan Macklin. He's a semi-retired Englishman who resides in San Francisco. He putters around in his Fiat convertible. Fiat, right? It's not a convertible. It is your electric Fiat because <laughs> he's so American now. He was once the co-founder of some small startup called SoFi. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. Good it, to be here, Sam. It is. Good. We have finally met. We have talked on the phone and yeah, giving each have, other crap we forever have. now. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this will be the one and only time Dan McLachlan is on this um, podcast. Then we have... <laughs> it is Dan's fault. All right, Yulia. I say the name right? Yes. And the surname is... No, I'm Ta- not saying it. Tarasava. Which is from Belarus originally. You also lived in Kenya. And where else have you lived? God knows. Um, London. I was on the East Coast in New York for a long time. And now San Francisco. You're like my hero. You're the, <laughs> one of the co-founders of C-Note. And we are going to take a picture of her laptop because she actually says on her laptop, the face of it, hi, I created C-Note. <laughs> talk to me. Best brand advertising I've ever seen. And we're going to talk about C-Note a little bit later to get a better idea of exactly what that is. Then we have Divine. And I'm going to say it. A.K.A. Victor Lombard. That is the only time we're going to say Victor Lombard on this show. Because <laughs> he is divine. Victor D. Victor Lombard. D. Yeah, yeah. So, Divine's a great friend of mine, great rapper, artist, co-founder of Black Tech. Moved from Brooklyn to Silicon Valley yeah. about how long ago? Uh, a month. A month now? Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Long. It's been a while. Yeah. Enough that he's still wearing a Mets hat. <laughs> if you haven't listened to my uh, Connection Interrupted podcast interview with Divine, you have to. One, you're dead to me if you haven't listened to it. I didn't listen to that. John's dead to me. He's gone. But it is actually one of the best podcasts. Michael, who's in the room, um, Divine actually went through his playlist and said, here's some goody tracks that kind of describe my life. And Michael wound those in to that interview. Yeah, and killed didn't it. he kill it? He killed it. It was great. Killed it. All right. And last but not least... <laughs> Wops, you fuck. John Wops, you fuck, what? who just wandered into our flat. So I asked him to be on the show. He's also the head of innovation at Casasa. He's a published author. What's the name of the book? Nobody knows. Oh, come on. It's a good book. What was the name of the book? Bankruption. Bank. Bankruption. Yeah. And that's the only time we'll mention that book for the rest uh, of this night. So with that, let's The go- over-under on his 12, so okay. I'm going to get, I got a few more to go. I'm going to see how he works that in. It's actually a very good book targeted to, would you say mid-tier banks? Mid to small-tier banks? Everybody. Everybody should read it. Buy a copy. Buy two. They're great to get for Christmas. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. You're allowed to do shameless plugs. All right. Let's get into the news. This has been a fascinating day. Again, we're in San Francisco. Um, what is the day today? Um, the 10th of April when we're recording this? This is the day that Mark Zuckerberg went before Congress and testified. So I think we might start with that because there's way too many stories. I do need to give a plug, though. All the stories we talk about today are from our 11FS and FinTech Insider community. We have, It's called FinTechInsiderNews.com. Check it out for the latest industry news and sign up to get involved and discuss the stories with everyone on the show and in our community. So take a look at that. So the first one, uh, Facebook goes to Congress. Zuck was, as everyone loves to call him, was up in front of Congress today. I think I missed most of that. Have any of you watched any of the testimony today? It was incredible. I did watch was it. Was it theater? I mean, embarrassingly enough, I, watched it. I was working in a hotel, so I was like, uh, I, I saw, I started at like 1230. So I think I saw every minute of it. Wow. One was in a suit, which one of the funniest tweets was, there's some dead intern at Facebook who has no clothes on right now. So he was in a full suit. Yeah, he was in a suit. He looked great. I'll tell you one thing. I mean, here's the thing. So, so Zuck, first of all, or Mark or whatever the hell people call him, everyone was like, he's going to crumble in front of everybody. He did a great job. Kept his composure, yeah. super chill. I mean, it was, uh, it was exciting to watch him up there. The, I, 
personally, I felt, um, as I was watching it, I felt like, uh, you know, there's a lot of jokes you can make about generational divide. I, I read some of those on Twitter. I get it. But I honestly felt sad. I felt sad for our country. Like, you know, here you had a guy who literally, I mean, controls a huge part of the world, whether he wants to believe it or not. How many users are on Facebook? Billion, two billion? Two billion. Two billion. Yeah. Two, 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 billion. Okay. two billion. And the, the other side of, you know, everybody was asking questions, also controlled the free world. And they were both talking to each other like they were aliens. And it was just, it was a, it was a very interesting thing to kind of be a part of. And it just, uh, it, uh, to me, it wasn't as inspirational as maybe it should have been. It, it felt more sad than anything else. It felt like, goodness gracious, you know, Mark, perhaps you should go back, really think about the power that you can, that you have on this world and, and really affect some dramatic change. You know, instead of just giving the middle finger to the government because that's a fun thing, flipping thing to do, instead really think about the power that you have and and shape this world as he's already done, and you know, and with his money, do it do it through the through the system. So here's the funny thing at this table, right? There's four of us sitting around talking about this. So Divine, John, myself, we're all you know originally from the U.S., but but Danielia. Europe coming over, right? And not like you've got it, the world figured out over there too. So, but, but still living here in the U S and watching this, do you just look at this and go, Oh God, or just, is there hope? Because when I look at here, my own personal take on this, when I look at Congress and when I look at the regulatory side, it's always a decade to two decades behind. I think that's a safe comment to make. And especially in our industry, right? When we're talking about financial services, I mean, Dan, your experience with SoFi, how did you treat regulators? Well, I, on the Facebook thing, I think today's stuff is somewhat theatre. Um, I think that the politicians want to be seen to be doing something, but but like you know, John just said, the questions that were coming at Zuckerberg weren't probably the hardest hitting that they could be. Probably because most of the people are not like Facebook's core audience, right. they're, they're, or they're just that that's not that's not their thing. So um, so I think it, it makes news headlines. It keeps us all busy for a, for a while, but. Uh, I think the business will survive, and you know there'll be a lot of fun bits on Jimmy Kimmel and yeah. stuff. You know, I mean, there, there's some funny snippets of people I, I, asking. I don't think got questions. solved today. I don't, no, I don't nothing think. got solved, and there was a lot of grandstanding for so, sure. So, Yuli, I'm curious. Uh, a couple of days ago, you know, the headlines were Mark Zuckerberg says that um, there should be more regulation around tech when it comes to this. Do you think again that's just musical theater, or do you think that's they really? <laughs> I'm sorry, because you're looking at me like I'm nuts. Do you really think he meant that when he said, yes, there should be more regulation put against us, especially when it comes to like political ads or targeting models? Yeah, I think, I think one thing that um, you, you kind of like have to think about uh, users and also like, can, it's almost like, you know, can you protect like users against users? You know, sometimes a lot of people say, you know, like people, people, people already put so much stuff on Facebook. So you kind of like have to blame users for putting those, so much stuff on Facebook to begin with. And, you know, Facebook, they just operate with the information that they have. Right. So in the end of the day, who is responsible? Is it us, you know, who's putting all the information up there or is it Facebook who, you know, just manage this information, right? And, and, and can do something with this. So, and, and I think- well, they didn't really manage the information. I mean, that is the, the flip side. I think that is part of the issue, is, yeah. is that trust side of it. Yeah. And, and, and I think there was actually another funny comment that was made uh, to mine uh, that I liked, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, right? No judgmental comments coming out of me on Lindsey. But he did have a funny part of this, where he looked at him and he goes, who's your biggest competitor? And Zuck kind of sat there and he went, I'm, I think he kind of struggled to answer that, right? Right, right? And he said, basically, are you Monopoly? And he goes, no, we're not. Yeah, I heard, I heard about <laughs> wow, Monopoly. Okay, based on the laughter in the room. Monopoly question. Yeah, I mean, do, do you buy into that? Facebook's Monopoly. I mean, come on. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, what I, what I thought was, I thought was what constitutes a Monopoly, first of all? And does, and does, does Facebook actually fit that description of what a Monopoly really is, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, I think when you listen, I mean, oh my God. So let's, let's do this. Google, Apple. Amazon, who, who are their competitors outside of China? China out of the way. And you look in the U.S. I mean, that's that's the big. But, but the thing is, with monopolies, is you're not allowing other people in. Yeah, that's a good point. Though, we're just not, well, you're blocking them out. They're, they're locked out for some reason or some way. There's there's plenty of room for somebody to come. Exactly, around, absolutely. Right? You know, and it was is obviously trying to make his play for what he wants to do. But what were you going to say? I was just thinking when you start talking about monopoly or not, to me, Facebook is almost becoming it's a lifestyle, right? It's someone's decision to do, you know, 
to do something with the life, right? And there's a lot of research how people who feel lonely and this and that, you know, like they're putting more stuff up there or people who want to brag about themselves. And so, you know, I think it's, it's everyone's decision to be there or not. And so uh, I don't, again, to me, I don't look at them as, as, as a company. You know, to me, it's almost like it's a, it, it's a part of our life. It's a social norm. It's a social norm right now, right? Yeah. Or it's, for someone, it's for someone's a social norm. For someone, it's not. But it's, it's to me, it's our decision. Uh, and I, I, I think that's the difficult thing because with all the news that came out, people were kind of uh, pretending to be appalled by it. But very few people I've met have deleted their, their profile. Yeah. People, I think, are now kind of reliant on Facebook for how they interact with their friends. And Including it's become... all those senators. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> every, every single one of them. I mean, but go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, no, it's just to the point where it's not as simple as just deleting an app. I think it, it's be, for many people, it's a much bigger part of their life and it's the way they interact with people. Um, so, you know, if you're dumb enough to take a certain, maybe I'm biasing the room by asking, but, but has anybody gotten the notice that your information was taken? No, yeah. No, I haven't either. I think it's, I mean, to be frank, I think it's, uh, (laughs) no, no, you can, you can do the little thing and Facebook will tell you. So you can hit the little link and Facebook tells you your information's fine. Um, and my information is fine because I didn't, I, I don't do personality IQ surveys. You don't do the stupid quizzes that constantly are around. Like, yeah. well, How much do you really know about you? What are you doing that crap for? Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit of it. It's, uh, uh, you know, a Darwin sort of thing. So, so let's, let's, let's shift a little bit. This whole first segment's basically on Facebook. But again, you look where we're at, right? I mean, we're in the heart. Of it. Um, well, actually, we're on the sunset side. Of I'm sorry. Inner sunset. We're on the inner heart side of God. We have learned a lot about San Francisco, man. Don't call it Frisco. Don't call it San Fran. Oh, Jesus, Mark, look at that. Yeah, you're not allowed. I learned that last night. Do right? you There's really love rice Roni here? Is this the It is an amazing... tell you what the San Francisco treat is. Yeah. got a box of it on his doorstep. That's, and moved in. that's just, outer sunset. All right, so... But there's a second story, and I think this one's actually very relevant, and I, and I like this one. So um, a, a, a couple years ago, Mark Zuckerberg did an interview with Kara Swisher from Recode, right, where he sat on stage, and it's called The Sweat Attack, right, where she, Kara basically, she's one of my, I love her podcast. By the right? way, it was like eight years ago. But it's a great, I know, but doesn't him. it feel just like a couple to an old guy like you? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> You have more gray just, hair than me. You have more hair than me. But you also have more gray hair than me. Oh, John. so gray. Yeah, I know. That's, but but Kara, she her podcast is outstanding. I think Recode Decode is a great one, and she's a very good interviewer. And she actually went off when she knew that um, Mark Zuckerberg was going to go before Congress. She actually had a, an article, and Politico talks about this, that she basically blasted Washington and the press for saying, you're, and this was before today, saying you're not going to ask squat. And here, here's, her, here's what she wrote. Interesting. Mark Zuckerberg is one of the richest people on earth. He's an adult. He's, he's a 30-something-year-old male who's been an executive for a while. He can answer questions like he's a CEO. He founded the company, Stop Juvenalizing Men, here in Silicon Valley. She proposed this direct line of questioning. What the hell happened with Cambridge Analytica? Please tell us in detail and in triplicate. And don't ask him anything else. And I didn't see it today, but my assumption is that wasn't asked today. (laughs) They danced around everything else. Yes. Well, I don't, I'm not sure they danced around. I mean, to, to Dave's point, uh, is it, can I call you Dave? You can call him Dan. Dan? Okay. Well, I just, I I like the name Dave. We got to call you Dave. Call me Dave. (laughs) The question was, can I call you Dave? I like, oh, it was like, yeah, you can call me that. Dave's in the living room raising his hand like he wants to join. All right. So Dan. But, but to to your point, I mean, there there was definitely a divide there. And, and I think people struggled with what exactly to ask. And also there was grandstanding. So, so it, there was no time for Mark to even answer some of the more poignant questions. And thankfully, Mark got in a very important point, but he had to answer the exact same point probably four different times, which was each time someone would say, so when you sell your information to advertisers, he had to re-explain. No, here's the deal. You're a ski store and you want to sell skis to somebody. You target and we transfer the information. We do all this stuff. And so he's like, we never sell the information to advertisers. And, and it was really interesting that so many of those senators replayed an argument that has been heard in people's heads by the media, by podcast, perhaps. Who knows? Not this one, but others. <laughs> that, that, that Facebook was, you know, it, was somehow selling this data to advertisers, giving this data to advertisers. And it was totally not 
what happened at all. It was like all this uproar is actually around something that is bad, but it's in bad. It's bad in a totally different way. Like, why are we having a discussion around something so completely false? So here's what's interesting in this room. Okay, um, outside of John, the ass, the three of you are company founders. Sorry, John. The three of you have helped found companies, right? All of you. And also in the room, we have um, Ohad. Do you realize Sabah. I also was a company founder? And you wrote a book. I no one cares. <laughs> but Ohad is in the room also. So we have Ohad Samet, who's from True Accord, right? Hey, Ohad. And and we're gonna play in the mic. Pradeep. Um, Pradeep, Pradeep was founded also companies. a company founder. So we have folks that have founded fintech companies in this area, right? And the reality is, and, and I, this is an overused phrase, but data and how you use that data and how you mine the data and how you apply the data is everything, right? Yes. Well, remember that Facebook is actually almost trying to become a fintech company, right? They, they, they actually have a fintech department in there that is you know, figuring out what products and services they can give to their users just because they have so much data on right. them, right? And they can know exactly when they need a loan, when they need a loan for a wedding, when they need, you know, open an well, account. Are you trying for to bring this to banking? No, what? <laughs> this is an important but point. But I think this is a great point, right? Like more and more, so, more you know about the users. So let's do two things real quick and then Dan, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to you. So quickly, give me like the 30 second pitch. What is C note? For listeners that aren't familiar with it. Yeah, so C-Note, it's a women-led fintech company um, that really here to redesign the finance, um, what it stands for, and who it serves. And the way we do that is we create competitive products um, that really have social impact embedded in it. So our first product, which is C-Note Savings, uh, it's a... It's a product where you can earn 35x more on your cash um, by investing in underserved communities in the United States. So women, low income, minorities. So, so also on that note, Divine, let's go to you. So Black Tech, the, the concept behind Black Tech, Not what is it you want to do? I mean, yeah, we're trying, to, we're trying to empower the financially excluded to build wealth. The unbanked, the underbanked, um, disadvantaged communities, underprivileged communities, empower them to get on the pathway towards wealth building. So, SoFi, Dan, the original, when you guys put the idea together, what was the, the concept there? Financial services for the next generation. We started with student loan refinancing, spread to mortgages and personal loans. And then um, now SoFi money's coming out, the whole kind of checking account equivalent um, and, and beyond many products in the pipeline. Oh, I, I left in June. Right. Yeah. Dr- to drive his fiat, his electric fiat. All right. And then one more founder, and even though we do have another one sitting in the living room, so Ohad with True Accord. What's True Accord? True Accord is using machine learning and carefully curated content to radically change the user experience and debt collection for consumers. We collect for banks, debt buyers, uh, lenders, some of them maybe in this room, um, and we improve what the consumers experience in that collection. We collect better, we increase consumer happiness, we serve them the way they want by giving them the communication channels they want and the payment uh, arrangements that they want and basically everybody wins. And then and then John. All right, so I, I love giving John a hard time because he never stops giving me a hard time. But it's, right. awesome. it's, only, it's only been 14 what? years. Yeah, I know. It's so it's awesome. a long time. We help, we help credit unions and community banks get younger account holders so consumers every single one of you right data and how you use data and access to that data right is everything am i, am I wrong here 100 wrong. he is such a rat bastard why whose idea was it to bring him on the show is mine yeah. <laughs> well you're the asshole invited me it's your fault i mean that's i mean that's reality though, it's all right? about data so and what were you going to say Dan? I, I was going to say um since i left so far i've been advising early stage startups and it's amazing when i speak to them and i say how are you getting your customers and, th- and these are early companies so that you know they're just starting <clears throat> facebook is almost always the first thing they say or the second thing wow. they say really? and um, you know, maybe the people around the room are using it. We certainly used it at SoFi. And, so there's a customer acquisition channel. Yeah, that absolutely. Is the, the ability to be able to target a particular type of person is what Facebook provides. Absolutely. And the companies in Silicon Valley, especially, but around the country, are using that. So it shouldn't, you know, the fact that, that your data is being used in this way, I don't think is a surprise to people around here because we're all like, making the most of that in, in terms of targeting. Right. Uh, if, if you weren't aware of that, then, then then maybe it's a surprise. But it's a phenomenal place to find customers. And that's why they're worth the billions of dollars that they are. To, to Mark's point, 
he's not selling you lists of names and all of their addresses and everything else. It's very targeted and they own it all. They control it all. And you're on the other side saying, Hey, you know what? This is how much I have to spend. This is the type of person I want. You go make it happen. Facebook. It's reach. Right. You got it. So so divine. So this is so conceptually, right? You're going through the different seed rounds now, right? For, for the idea you have with black tech. So how you target, a, a specific community or segment, right, is is prevalent, and that's front and center for you. Absolutely, absolutely, and I, and Facebook is one of our channels, right? We create a, a robust uh, group that that, that we, we provide information and content to, yeah. and we and we get the grassroots, you know, excited about what we're doing. We get them involved because it's social impact driven, and Facebook is is, is really the ground for that. Yeah, what I want to build on is it's not only the data, like the data points, or oh, you're married, you're not, how many kids, and et cetera, but it's also the behavior. And this yeah, is, absolutely. I think, what's so critical, especially when you think about money, agree, investing agree. in everything. It's agree. so much there. Yeah. And, 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 and especially, I think, right now, as we build this you know, new financial products, really thinking about you know, using user-centric approach and really thinking about you know, how people make the decisions, what they do, how they do it, when they do right. it. Facebook is incredible for it. So here's what I find interesting because I've I've seen, Ohad, you've talked about this a couple times with True Accord, right? On the debt collection side and what Uh you do, how the traditional players suck at using data like that. I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, because your results you see are so much better, which is amazing to me with True Accord. So interesting. And by the way, this isn't a plug, by the way. It's just he's really good. And I... Thank you. You're welcome. Um, and he looks like my sweet. uncle, David, who I love. So there you go. With more hair. <laughs> yeah, David. Yeah. So interestingly, we don't really use data off of Facebook or anywhere else. Because we work with banks, it's so highly regulated, fair lending, you name it. Just a bunch of stuff you can't use. Everything is focused on behavior and how consumers behave on our platform. Um, but we do use those tactics right so if you don't you don't like the the pixel that tracks whether you open the email and stuff like that then obviously we use that but yeah it, it's a lot of a lot about behavior because specifically in the distressed debt area uh consumers there's this big gap between revealed and declared preference like what the consumer is going to tell you they want to do or they want of you is not what they really want and really not really how they behave we've had consumers complain I don't like your content. I don't know why anyone would pay you in the screen after they made the payment. <laughs> okay, that's actually a really good point. <laughs> well, we we've, we've talked about that at Eleven FS, right? Where it's the it's the famous Steve Jobs. If you ask the customer, build me a better horse, sure. right? The old Henry Ford story. But Dan, I mean, you took a company. SoFi did okay and still doing quite well, right? Yeah. And, and it was the same thing, right? I mean, um, how you build that out and who you targeted. Because you guys were rather specific in kind of who your target segment was, At right? the beginning, yeah. And then that was, you know, we were lending money and we only had so much money to lend. So uh, we couldn't lend to everyone. And we thought in terms of the marketing message and the general messaging of the company, it was easier to target that at specific groups of people. So at the beginning, we were student loan refinancing. We went for the MBA crowd um, at the beginning from particular schools. That was as much a function of lack of money to lend than anything else. And then the the, the universe expanded to the point now where it's extremely wide, every state, every, every um, you know, every city around the country. But it was it was a very useful beginning to, to know who you were targeting. And right. uh, and coming back to Facebook, companies like that, they, they allowed us to, to target in that way. So here's what I think is funny, and this will be our last segment before we jump to a break, because Ollie made some killer chili, and oh we can God, smell it, it and if we so don't eat that chili, it's killing so, so the last the last Facebook story, and we'll get off of this topic, but this one I find very interesting. So, uh, will CNN, anyone else find it interesting? Yes. Okay. Our audience will love this. <laughs> Good, it's important. For at least a year, the biggest page on Facebook purporting to be part of the Black Lives Matter movement was a scam with ties to a middle-aged white man in Australia. Australia. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, just killing me. CNN reported this. The wow. page, simply titled Black Lives Matter, had almost 700,000 followers on Facebook. More than twice as many as the official Black Lives Matter page. Wow. It was tied to online fundraisers that brought in at least 100 grand that supposedly went to Black Lives Matter causes in the U.S. Oh, my God. So we're talking... I mean, let's put that in a little bit into perspective, right? So one... Do we need Congress to come in and the, the whole thing today, right, about regulation? Yeah. Um, I, I do get terrified of folks that have no clue what they're doing to come in and put rules in. And yet bullshit like this happens that does impact people. 
I mean, how you how do you strike that balance? I don't have a good answer, by the way. I'm not a politician, but I do find this. Do I think that this is me personally going there? Do I think that um, Russia and other folks came in to try to target people? Yes. Do I think people are stupid for not fact checking things and personal responsibility to your point, John? Yes. It takes no time to do that. But for something like this, this story, I'm not sure how you would have dug enough to figure out that it's some dude sitting on a ranch in Australia. Yeah, I, I think it's scary. Um, but And I think Zuckerberg today said, I think maybe for the first time, that they are responsible for the content rather than just he the did. platform. I didn't but, see that. And that's a big step because I don't really know how they police that content. Like, how do you prove that someone he said is who they said? intelligence about 100 times. But I heard that. But I thought he also said today or someone else said it's another five to 10 years before yeah, it's going to be good he said he's building, he's building it. They don't have it yet. It's a bunch of animation. Uh, so it's in process. In the it's, process. it's not like True Accord, which has real machine yeah, learning, exactly. by the way. Uh, this, these, they're light years behind. But, but, uh, but nevertheless, go ahead. No, it's, it's, it's difficult. And, and when you get to people's opinions and whether something's true or not, you know, the whole fake news thing over the last year or two, who do you know? Who do you believe? How do you know who to and, believe? And just, just not the U.S., right? Of course. Cool. Everything, everything, everything. Um, I think Facebook is a scapegoat. I mean, oh, by raise of hands, everybody in the house right now. I'm curious on this. How many think Facebook is a scapegoat? I know Mark's like making a face. I got a lot of hands going up. Divine. I know. I'm sorry. I think, I'm not I raising think, my hand. I think it's I think easy. It's easy to blame that. Just like it's easy to blame Fox News for believing that Trump is the hottest shit ever. Like, like if that's all you're going to watch, then of course your mind's going to be affected. Now, the question is, you know, is Facebook going after 12 year old people to purposefully control, you know, what mid, what teenagers might think? No, they're not necessarily doing that. No, they're stupid. Yes, I agree. In many ways, they're not necessarily following what they, you know, proper, maybe the way that they're, uh, there's a moral sort of compass that might be lost a little bit. But at the same time, guys, we live right now, what we're coming to is this like, we're growing up as teenagers, as a, as the, you know, as a country. And we're accepting the fact that, oh my gosh, maybe what my parents told me, maybe my dad didn't know exactly where the water went whenever I flushed the toilet. Right? Like these questions that, that I asked. That is the weirdest analogy I have ever heard on this show. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. But, but that's what I mean. Like, like, it was just, you know, maybe, maybe actually we've been making this shit up as we've gone along. Now that I do This believe. whole time. Yeah. And we're sitting here going, oh crap, actually this is way bigger than an app on a phone. And I think that's, that's really like what I saw today is people just realizing, including Mark, including realizing, wow, oh shit, I'm actually sitting in front of Congress and being asked some serious questions. This isn't the last 12 times when I was kind of slapped on the wrist. So here's, here's what I like the most about doing this show. All right. And, and I do mean that. And how many podcasts have we done, Ollie, now of this episode? 200 plus at this point? Way too many. Too shut this off. 201 of this. <laughs> what I like is, is actually getting the chance to sit down with folks that, in my opinion, are trying to solve a real problem that haven't, that have been ignored, right? We've coasted, let's be honest, right? And within our industry, we've coasted for a while. So the, the True Accords, the C-Notes, the SoFi's, the Black Text, Kasasa is coming in and putting those in. That's trying right. to solve actual problems, right? And attacking something and not creating a dog, a dog walking app, right? Not that there's anything wrong with the dog walking app, but come on, right? And and on that little soliloquy, I, how do you say that word? Soliloquy. Yes. Wops. On that note, I have a need for chili. So we're going to throw to our sponsors <laughs> go. and we'll be back. There you go. We wanted to let you know that if you love this show, how about seeing it live? We're going to be at Money 2020 Europe in Amsterdam this June, and we're bringing Fintech Insider live with us. We'll be bringing the podcast to the main stage right before the drinks reception, and you can be there. Sign up for tickets now. Go to europe.money2020.com forward slash register and use discount code 1811FS. That's 1811FS to get 200 euros off the ticket price. Welcome back. As a reminder, Fintech Insiders brought to you by 11FS. We build digital products and services for clients big and small. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us at 11FS.com. Connect with us on Twitter at 11FS team or drop us an email at hello at 11FS.com. Now on with the show. Um, so we're going to ship off of Facebook. We took the first part of the show kind of really focused in, which made sense because of the massive story uh, today. But what was also a pretty big story was um, this was Equal Pay Day actually, April 10th. 
Um, actually, I, I didn't know this. April, uh, Equal Pay Day was founded, I think, in 1996. So it's not something that's new. It's been around for a while. But I think for the most part, probably ignored, right? Um, I think that's safe to say. But with everything that's happened over, I think, the past year, it's easy to say with Me Too and God, take your pick, um, Weinstein and God, everybody else. I think it definitely came to the forefront. So there's a pretty interesting study um, that came out around. They did a gender scorecard for some of the major companies got um, um, rated on this. And actually, Yulia, Yulia, you pointed this out to me. And I thought, you know what? It's funny because I did not put this story in. So thank you, one, wow. for putting it in. <laughs> of course. And two, I do. I think this is interesting because you've been in this industry for a while. You're, you, you know, I think actually in your bio, to talk about it. You've been on Wall Street. For about 10 years. Suite. Yeah, for a decade, right? Um, I'm old. So how frustrating of an issue is this? I, I'll throw that out there because honestly, I mean, when you look at this, have you seen the disparity? Um, I've seen the disparity, but also I think I've seen the disparity. I just didn't really feel empowered to do anything about it. Um, and I'm kind of interested what I would have done right now if I've you know, if I've seen this results and if I've, you know, seen everything that happened over the last, you know, year um, and actually how women actually think about it right now. Right. Just because I think I think what people say often is it's it's one again, it's corporate responsibility. Right. To to make sure that women and minorities and everyone else get exactly the same opportunities. They, they get people in the pool and et cetera. But it's also, you know. Us asking, right? We all know that men, you know, ask for much more. And if you ask for more, you receive more. And women, you know, we just don't ask for as much. And that's why, you know, you don't receive as much because if you're not asked, you know, if you don't ask, you're not going to receive. So I'm curious, Dan, with, with SoFi, when you were putting the team together, because you went through some pretty rapid growth, right? Yeah. With talent and building. How, how big is SoFi now, employee-wise? <laughs> I know you're not there. You're I left in June. It was about 1,200 people. Okay. I think so it's, it's a decent it's, size. It's, it's a couple or a few hundred bigger than that. Um, but just building on what Yulia said, we at SoFi, we are very conscious of um, trying to help our members, our customers with their careers. And we did something called Raise Week where we were basically empowering people to give them the tools to ask for a raise. People are very nervous about asking for a raise. And I do think there is a bit of a male-female divide in terms of how like aggressive people are at asking for this stuff. So we had a week where we were trying to empower people and give them the information and, and make them ask that question. And it's a huge success. And I, th I think so it's not the only thing, but one thing is ask for a raise, like try and find out your value and, and try and make it happen. And, so and that's tough, but you should try. Yeah, I've been, I've been in the industry a while now, right? Been doing this. Um, and so I've been in the management role for quite a while. And it is I, it reflecting on this. That's something I think about. But I can remember when I was in England, I had um, a younger lady who was on my team that I hired who was brilliant. I mean, um, loved her to death. She was fantastic. And it was funny because I remember her coming to me and saying, hey, I want to apply for this role within the company, but I'm not sure I could do it. And what's funny, and, and yeah, and, and you're, you're, you're smiling, Yulia, because that idea, I've never had a, a, a young man that I was mentoring come up to me and said, you know, I'm doubting myself. I don't know. I don't know if it's the, bra you know, if it's just how we think. And this wasn't in the US. This was in the UK, right? And, but it came to me and I'm like, oh my God, you are so overly qualified. You're one of the best analysts I've ever seen. You know, you, you have, it's, and it's not that she didn't believe in herself, but that little bit of doubt played there. And Divine, I'm going to be honest. One thing that's interesting about the about 11FS, we're going through a massive growth spurt. So we just celebrated our two-year birthday, I think, on April 5th, Ollie. Is that Congrats. right? Congrats. We're two years old April 5th, remember, right? We're we're at over 80 employees now. And we're we're talking about opening offices in, you know, in wow. multiple continents. And so we're going through a massive growth in a short time. But And this is an honest statement. When you look at our website and you look at who we are, the one thing that is striking to me, and I've told our, our head of HR, Sophie, who's fantastic, but I said, it is rather interesting because we're one white ass looking company. And I don't mean that mean, but it is, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys. I went under every He's single woman man. and actually even saw what woman is doing because yeah. I think we like tend to put women, oh, they can be designers, which you have guys in your team oh, and then assistants and et cetera. But it's true. Than, no, absolutely. Head of HR. Exactly. Right. But I, one, I work, this is the greatest company I personally have ever worked for. And I've worked for global powerhouses and I love 11FS. But I've told Sophie when we talked about this, who heads up our HR, she came from Revolut, I think, mm -hmm. if I remember right. I told Sophie as we're building out the team in the U.S., one of my own chief goals is to really look at this from a, from a, I don't want it to look like it does today. Right. 
I mean, and, and, and it's also not easy, Dan, by the way. I don't think it is an yeah. easy thing to do because we, we hammer on you want the best talent, right? Yeah, and, I, and you do. I remember at the uh, two years into SoFi, we were trying to sell to a partner and they made the same comment. They said, I've just been to your website. It's all guys there or nearly all guys there. So yeah, it has to be diverse, man. Some inclusion is necessary. No, I mean, it is, right? I mean, um, who's Tom Peters. So I got the, um, I had the opportunity for my connection interrupted podcast. <laughs> That was a great segue. So for our other podcast, it wasn't a segue. Series, it wasn't a segue. segue. You are the guy who's narrating everything. So you have notes. You're it's reading a, Tom Peters right it's now. It's a wonderful <laughs> podcast. But I had the opportunity. Tom Peters, who's been writing management books since 1982, which I find amazing, right? But it, he actually says something I really agree with. He says, if your board, when you look at it and pull it together, doesn't reflect your customer base... <laughs> It's bullshit. And if you're bored, and it's Chris Skinner, who does a lot with this and is part of 11FS team, talks about this. When you look at bank boards, it's just a bunch of old white guys sitting around. And if your board doesn't reflect who your customer base is, there's something wrong, right? It's disconnect, yeah. Well, you got this challenge, Devon, because you're, you're building out a company, right? I mean, and you've got, I mean, you've moved to Silicon Valley if you've left Brooklyn to come here yeah. to get up a company who's going to be very focused within a specific community in a specific segment, Absolutely. right? You have to represent that community. So how are you pulling your board together? Who, who, how are you looking to bring in folks? Cause I mean, one, one of your chief mentors is Ben Horowitz, yeah. who you would think is completely the opposite of you. And by the way, he's not, that's what's so funny. <laughs> can, you, can you take a minute? Tell that story of how you met Ben, if you don't mind. All right, real quick. Um, I was incarcerated. Um, wanted to change my life. hundred percent dissatisfied. I had lived a um, criminal lifestyle, you know, engaged in legal activity for a long time. Just wanted to change. Said, I'm going to become a serial entrepreneur. I always had entrepreneurial thinking. It was just raw. I never had any formal, edu- formal, formal education, entrepreneurship, or startup building. And I was like, I want to I want to do this. I want to try. I'm reading. I'm starting to read the ink. I'm reading. I'm entrepreneur. And then um, I came across this uh, article about Ben. And I was intrigued the fact that he, being who he was, he loved hip hop music. So I was like, I'm gonna reach out to him when I when I get when I get out. Cause I learned he was philanthropic. So I was like, yo, I'm gonna reach out to him, tell him my life story and see if he'll invest in my music company. So two years passed. I ended up doing um some hip hop rap recording artist, did a Kickstarter, had that going. Um, was still dibbling, dabbling a little in the streets, wanted to really get out of it. I happened to see him on TV, did some research, found out, you know, he's friends with Mark Zuckerberg, friends with Nas. First thing I said when I saw Nas I was like, yo, Nas beat me to it. But you know, at least it's Nas, right? Can't complain. Um, so then the next, so the next thing I was like, um, I, I see he had a book, he had a book out, he had a blog, went to his blog, read the story called The Legend of the Blind MC. Really, really compelled me to reach out to him. And I connected with his spirit because I read other blogs of his where the proceeds of his if his book was going to women in the struggle in Africa. And I really identified with that. And I was like, yo, this this brother's serious. And this is before I knew his wife was African American, straight out of Compton. You know I know she, Felicia Horowitz Felicia is straight out of Compton. Oh, that's funny. I didn't and, and, know that. And she's the first um, in, a, in a family to go to college. So it was, it was real interesting, that whole dynamic. I'm like, yo, this is this is crazy. So I was compelled to reach out to him, reach out to him on Twitter, told him my life story. But instead of asking for money, I said, yo, well, you meant to me. You know what? You're, your whole story, and it actually gets back to, John, what you were talking about with Facebook, is that that level of personal responsibility to take that step. Um, but I also think as senior leaders... Within, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say fintech. I actually, I hate the word fintech, which is rather sad because our podcast is called Fintech Insider, but it's such, <laughs> it's tech, right? I mean, I, I really, I look at it as tech, but as, as leaders and as seeing every single person in this flat right now, right? We have so many company founders. We have, you know, chief innovation officers. We, we have that responsibility to look for talent, but also look for folks that that have the capability, right? And or you mentor and bring up. Because exactly. come on, your background exactly. had nothing to do with with payments. Had nothing was, to do with yeah, this. I was so far moved from technology to period. I mean I use technology to make music. But look where you're at now. But it was subjective. It was never objective until yeah. I met Ben. I meet Ben I'm like I'm at his crib like, yo, tech did this. <laughs> I know tech did this. Okay. But but look at the the life changing <clears throat> yeah. component of that. And and Yulia, the same with Sino, right? And what you're doing and how you, you target, right? Um, and same with Kasasa. I mean, actually, as much as I love to make fun of it, because I do love to make fun of Kasasa and John. It's funny. But it's still, right? It's, it's looking at, at the credit unions and the banks and saying, you can, I don't know if it's a level playing field, but the opportunity to 
go after a Bank of America customers, right? And, and provide real products that really work for real people. We enjoy the shit out of it. Turns out, turns it's out, fun. Turns out, you can. I mean, you know, you knocked fintech, and honestly, I'm a little hurt around that. Uh, I think, I think fintech op- actually has offered a lot of opportunity to, you know, way beyond you know traditional banking, and that's that's what you know. Um, when we started in uh, 2014 years ago, however long ago that was, I can't do the math either. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Um, you know, I mean, the, the the point is essentially, you know, these these smaller banks and credit unions do support uh, underprivileged communities, places that, unfortunately, you know, most big banks pulled out of. 20, 25 years ago because they just, you know, and then, and then even more so lately they, you know, everyone loves to talk about, oh, fintech's killing branches and all this stuff. You know, what's also sucks is that when those branches leave, oftentimes those communities don't have a place to go. You know, I mean, so, so it's interesting how you have to kind of, you have to watch, okay, the digital inclusion side as much as, okay, you know, maybe there needs to be a physical, yeah, it's physical the, presence it's as the well. balance of both. Absolutely. And, and, and one thing I find also fascinating talking to folks like you, Dan, you and I had a conversation on the phone, I think one time when we were talking about SoFi in the early days. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think we were talking when you guys came up with a concept and you're like, I can't believe a bank isn't doing this. And I think they would call you and say, can we come in and watch what you're doing? You made a comment about that. Well, the point about us not believing that no one was doing it already was was a real one. It, it was almost too obvious. Everyone was paying 8% on their student loans. And many of these people are now working in great jobs, great salaries, um, good potential, and they should be paying less. And yeah, we almost didn't start the business because people kind of told us that the if if it was that easy, someone would have done it. I bet they just said a ton of times. <laughs> and I'm also wondering, and I've, I've read a study earlier, and this one I'm, I'm curious about, is I have read where I, I know that VC funding is so upside down, especially when it comes to women and in minorities, right? Oh, my God, if you're a minority woman, too, you know, I think it even drops even yeah. more. Not even 1%. Yeah. Less than 1%, I believe. Yeah. The... Um, this goes uh, this goes uh, back to uh, the diversity in the company. You know, we really believe that you can't really build the products for someone that who you are not, right? So, right. I think this is the best argument to have diversity in the company because if you want to capture the bigger market, you need to have that represented within your company. And for us, when going to your point about VCs, I think a lot of people when they look at us, you're like, you you are two women in finance who wants to build a fintech company. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. what are you doing? Like, who are you? People just did not believe us. Maybe because Yeah, well, but because also, like, this is not something that's really happening, right? Like, you don't typically don't see women building the products because women, you know, women have never held that much wealth. And so women have never yeah, been really looked at. Oh, like, you know, you could be my client. It's typically white male. And so who build the products? White male. Again, nothing against white male. But this is typically what you've seen in the financial industry. Right. And now they start waking up because now, you know, women, I think the statistics is, you know, they do hold, you know, majority of investable assets, you know, whatever they defined. You know, millennials are coming in. And so right. now a lot of the financial institutions find themselves like, oh, like now we kind of like have to. To watch to that trend, but then we don't really have anyone to, to build it. Or, you know, if we don't have technology, we're not just not set up to do that. Here's, here's what I would say on this topic. Um, and again, as someone who has played management roles throughout his, his career in the financial services space, and I'd encourage every listener, I think one of the most important things to do is to be an active mentor to other people. Um, and divine your story with Ben Horowitz, right? Yeah. I mean, literally, and you've talked about this, you know, going from, um, dealing crack and, and, and being in prison and, and through that cycle to, I mean, you you moved to Silicon Valley, right. right? The opportunity to do that. And you were actually introduced to me through, through, um, Scarlet. through, through Scarlet, Scarlet right? Yeah. Um, which is with USA now, yeah. the innovation I'm, team. I'm, I met with in New York. She believed in me, man, believed what I was trying to do. I mean, if you look at what I'm trying to do, man, these are, these are, these are, High level aspirations, right? Yeah. I'm not somebody who went to Harvard. I'm not somebody who went to Yale. I'm just learning fintech, the basics of it. Started out with the prepaid debit card space, learning that. Um, I'm still figuring out cryptocurrencies and blockchain and all that, you know. So, well, here's here's what I would say, right? And 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 as much crap as I love to give to John, um, but one of the things John does is you are an active um, a mentor. So, I mean, for example, 
I mentor um, you. Well, <laughs> yeah, but, but, but you've done work. You've done work with Bank Innovation, right? The program they have. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's I've true. actually. He doesn't know this, but I dialed into the webinar. I hate. Oh my god! I, I can't believe I did that. I was bored. There was nothing on TV. <laughs> but you do. You you take the time to mentor the folks that are coming up. And and sure. as much crap as I like to give them, your yeah. book is actually built. I think parts of that book are structured around quit doubting yourself, and that's at a company level or credit yeah. union and bank. You can compete just because you're not Chase or Bank of America. And there's nothing wrong with being them, but you know what I mean. 100. percent Yeah. I mean, we we do we do everything we can. Thank you for saying that. We do uh, we do everything we can to try to make sure. And you know, internally as well. I mean, we we start off the discussion talking about you know women and and in fintech. And I mean, you had an amazing series, Sam, uh, uh, that, um, that just really kind of explored that, that topic pretty deep. I don't know how many people you interviewed for that. I lost count. 50, yeah, 60. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, we, we, at, at our company, there is a lot of, you know, we, we try to take as much corporate responsibility as we can to ensure that we have a diverse culture. I mean, one of the challenges you have, you know, whether it's SoFi or any, any company in fintech in the U.S. in particular is you're exactly right. The, we, we have a lot of old white guys <laughs> who have been in banking and, and, you know, and that, yeah, for centuries. And, and, you know, and so now it is exciting because there are, to your point, there are a lot more millennials who are literally going to school for saying, how do I, how do I change this? You know, what do I do? Not just for banking, but technology, you know, what, you know, I want to get into this space. And so, um, so it is an exciting time right now to be able to, um, to change the makeup of, of an organization. So here's what I find interesting. Cause and, and divine, we could take your story, right? Um, for example, it's, it's taking that first step and reaching out. Right. Um, and, and, and looking for those folks that, 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 um, have had success in the space. Dan and, and some of our phone calls and the conversations since you've, um, um, kind of gone and, and, and taking that step. And I don't want to call it retired because God, you're not <laughs> that old, but taking a little bit of time off. Yeah. But, yeah, it's but part of your time off is you're mentoring companies. I yeah. mean, you talk about this. And that's the fun thing. And, um, I would still respond to those kind of emails when I was at SoFi, but now I have more time. So one piece of advice to people out there is ask the questions like, you know, don't be afraid to ask, right? you know, divine made the request and, and it's worked out well, yeah, but, yeah. but t- take take a chance. Uh, <laughs> you may not get a response from everybody, but some people may respond. So, you know, what's interesting is that a lot of people look at my story and they're like, okay. And they say, yo, he was courageous. You used to reach out to Ben like that. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Well, it was Twitter. Why, yeah, I'm like, yeah, of course I did. I mean, why wouldn't I do that? I mean, come on. I'm looking for opportunity, an opportunity to change my life. And that's what I had envisioned in prison. But what people really look over with my story is that the fact that I thought about it before, I, before it even happened. I said, I'm going to reach out to this guy. I want him to change my life. And you researched want, him. I, you, you I read an article. Yeah, you read an article. I think yeah. it was an entrepreneur magazine. Exactly. And, and, and got his and, Wikipedia page sent in yeah. to me. Learning was philanthropic. I said, that's my key. He loves hip hop. He's philanthropic. Those are my touch points. So here's what I would tell listeners, right? We were like, yeah, that's great, but it won't work for me, right? And talking about reaching out. So we, we do, man, we do a lot of interviews with, with, with um, 11FS and FinTech Insider and, and each of these. And when I do which the, one's, which one was the best? connection interrupted because it's mine. Okay. But as part of that interview series, what I constantly get is, oh my God, you did your, you know, you know a lot, you did your homework. And I'm like, actually, it's not that hard because there's this thing called Google and maybe Facebook <laughs> that holds a shitload of data yeah, yeah, about you. Exactly. But taking this room is a prime example of it. All right. Cause uh, honestly, and, and Michael has some video of this. When you look around for the folks that are in this room, there's only a few that I've actually met in, in real life, right? John and I, we, we first connected on Twitter, right? And, and, and knew about each other. We're going to go with that story. All right. Tinder, some of those. Swipe right. But, yeah. but we, we knew each other digitally well before we ever met, right? Mark, same thing, right? Uh, Divine. Same thing. Um, Dan, right? Uh, Dan, I'm, Yulia's here today because Dan reached out to her, I think on Twitter. Yep. And, and said, hey, we're doing a thing tonight. Can you come and be part of this? It's, it's taking that step. So I will say this. I don't care if you're a... Um, a young black kid just coming out of school. If you're a young woman that's doing this, if you're 51 years old like me and, and looking to, there's, it's never a time that it's too late to take that step and try. That's technology, man. If you look at technology, technology has accelerated a paradigm shift in every industry globally, every industry, every aspect of life, societal aspect of life. We talk about Facebook, talk about these other social um, network platforms. I mean, if you look at it, the, the, 
before this, there's no barrier. Like the gatekeepers, it's 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 dissipating. It's funny because we started this whole conversation talking about Mark Zuckerberg going before Congress and to get his ass ripped. And here we are coming full circle to talk about the power yeah. of social and technology and what it can do to change lives. We had all these other stories planned and yet equal payday just didn't shift there. Now that said, there's still a there's way too much disparity when it comes to pay, when it comes to opportunities. But mm-hmm. I think it's folks like y'all in the room and folks that listen that can take those steps to help it's just knock the crap off. I think it's a nice way to, to put yeah, it, yeah. right? We can we can do so much better. And what encouraged me, again, is folks like you that is doing this. And what's funny is we run out of time talking on one topic, but an important one. And I'm glad that we spent the time doing that. What I do want to do since we talked about this is, folks, if you want to reach out and actually contact some of these, I'm working my way around the room real quick. Dan, if listeners wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Twitter's best, at MacLindDan. Yulia, at Cino. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Twitter um, at GoCNote. Divine? Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram, Divine, fourth letter, D-I-V-I-N-E, the number four, T-H letter, and uh, Black Fintech, B-L-A-K Fintech. And Connection Interrupted, one of the best interviews personally, I think. Um, one of the most fun I had doing an interview was that. And John? There's something... I'm just thinking about why I wasn't on Connection Interrupted right now. Oh, God. <laughs> I interviewed you for that other podcast. So anyways, go on. At... You know, Twitter, at WAPSH, W-A-U-P-S-H. And one more plug for the book, Bankruption. Damn it, we didn't hit 12. Yeah, it is well worth the read. It really is. Um, For everybody, I want to thank you. This has been a really fun show. We have so enjoyed our time in San Francisco. This is going to wrap up another new show for this week. We want to thank every single one of our guests. As always, if you like what you heard this week, come and talk to us at Fintech Insiders on Twitter or podcast at 11fs.com. If you want to send us an email, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Five stars. It really helps. And thank you for listening. There you go, guys. I like that.